Emmett didn't like the noise his Dodge Lancer was making as he pulled it up to the curb. It made this teeth-chattering rattle whenever Emmett took it above 50 or below 20. Being stranded anywhere was miserable as hell, but being stranded in lily-white redlands was the closest thing Emmett could imagine to being stranded in Tupelo, Mississippi. He'd have rather met someone in L.A. to talk about building miniatures for a student project, but Molly swore that her dad's guy Marshall was the best. Emmett rechecked his map to make sure he was in the right place, 2217 East Tiger Tail Road. The name on the rusty, leaning mailbox was Marshall. The house behind it was run down, with peeling paint and a gutter that sagged from the roof line. This was the house of the best? Emmett pondered leaving before reminding himself of the two-hour drive he had going back, which would be considerably more miserable if he came home with nothing, not to mention how mad Molly would get for making this appointment for him only to have him burn it. So Emmett got out, absorbed the dirty look from the white lady driving down the road past him, went to the front door, and knocked. The man who opened the door was tall, lean, and apart from the most Spockian eyebrows Emmett had ever seen on a human being, hairless. But even though this man was taller than Emmett and potentially imposing, he seemed like he was trying to disappear inside his blue cotton poly shirt and jeans, which looked at least two sizes too big for him. He peered at Emmett from behind round bifocals. If you're Emmett, come in. I am. Oh, good. Then come in. Emmett stepped into the man's house. His front room was as immaculate as the house's exterior was decrepit, making Emmett wonder if Marshall ever went outside. The room was so clean it was uncontaminated by furniture, except for one folding chair. In the middle of the room was a pile of boxes, arranged in a cube, all marked Viv. Emmett said, You're Marshall, right? The man stiffened, as if an unseen person had shuffled his feet on the carpet and zapped him. Pardon? Oh, oh, yes. I'm Marshall. Hello. Molly said you wanted to look at my creatures? I do. It's a good thing I have some here. Come. This way. My workshop's in the back. Marshall started to lead Emmett down a hallway. Emmett asked, Who's Viv? My wife. Is she on a trip? No. Where is she? I don't know. Marshall pushed open a swinging door and they entered a kitchen that was cleaner than a hospital's autoclave. Marshall paused to take a cup off his coffee cup tree. Coffee? I made some coffee. Okay. Cream, no sugar. Marshall put the cup down on the counter and poured out a cup from the carafe. So, you're with Molly? Yes, Emmett said, not sure how Marshall would feel about it. That's something. It's something to, to be with somebody. Yeah. Marshall poured out the cream and handed Emmett the cup. You met Molly at school? Yes. I met Viv at school. I don't know what made her interested in me. I, I guess she isn't anymore. That I can understand. How did you and Molly meet? A friend of mine on Bobby Kennedy's campaign set us up. And you've met Peggy and Howard? I've met Molly's mom, but not her dad. Um, Molly said that should wait. I don't see how waiting will make that any easier. Me either, but 
that's what she said. She and her mom don't think he's ready yet. Howard's never going to be ready. Maybe, but if you see him, don't tell him, okay? They, they know him, I don't, so I'm letting them reveal me in their own time. I never tell anyone anything. But you know him, right? Is he as bad as Molly says? I don't know. How, how bad does she say he is? If Lester Maddox were a movie director. Lester Maddox, um, governor of... Oh, I know who he is. I, I guess so. Except I can't imagine anyone electing Howard to be anything. Emmett laughed at that. Marshall tried to join in, but didn't make it past a muffled chortle. It's funny, you know, Emmett said. When Molly and I started seeing each other, I was worried about my parents. And what do they think of her? They say they like her fine. Uh, I think they're wondering whether we're going to last. Do they like her fine? That's what they say to me. Uh, People don't always say what they're really thinking, though, do they? No, they don't. I mean, everyone's feelings are more complicated than they admit, and at the same time, most people are worried about everyone else's feelings about them, right? I suppose that's right. Yeah. Knowing that isn't helping me very much, though. Anyway... Let's take a look at some models. Emmett picked up his coffee cup and followed Marshall to a back room that Emmett wanted to get down on his knees and pray to. On the wall, on a big black chalkboard, was a long series of mathematical equations leading to God knows what. On the shelves were models, dozens of them. Model ships, model planes, model Starship Enterprise, model skeletons, Sasquatches, zombies, even a Cthulhu, all in super spectacular detail with no hint of a brushstroke. Were these all from kits? Hmm. The models, are they all from kits? Or just the Enterprise. I had the hardest time finding accurate blueprints for a scale model. Everything else is original. I mold the polystyrene in my garage. On a pegboard above the workbench hung every conceivable professional-grade tool for miniature work. Emmett had used some of them himself in classes, but not well. Marshall sat on the chair in front of his workbench, then decided to stand, then sat again. Uh, I can do anything from full scale to one twenty-five hundredth. What did you have in mind? Well, the short I'm doing is a zombie movie, like Night of the Living Dead. Yes, except there'll be more of a racial element to it, a group of people fleeing the undead clan and white citizens types, you know. Yes, I've read about them. Anyway... Most of the zombies will be just people in makeup, but I want a leader of the zombies to be kind of a humanoid demon creature. I, I was think I'm, I'm thinking stop motion. Like Ray Harryhausen. Right, just like him. I love the seventh voyage of Sinbad. And me too. A- and the skeletons in Jason and the Argonauts. That's what got me into this, his skeletons. Well, I'm thinking of doing the same thing, you know, uh, have a live actor in all white make the moves in front of the actors and then use your stop-motion creature to match his actions. Tricky. It'll need articulated limbs that match a human yet look convincingly demonic. Interesting. How much money can you devote to this? How much do you need? Is this a 16mm film or an 8mm? A 16mm. I'd say for the level of detail you'll need, $500 would cover it. Emmett saw his life flashing before his eyes. 
The budget he'd been given was $100. Is there another way I could compensate you? I I could help out around here. I work best alone, Marshall said. I don't like having people around when I'm creating. I see. I don't suppose you have a student rate? I don't, know. How about if I paint your house? (laughs) Emmett had never painted a house before, but how hard could it be? Why, I never look at that part. Emmett supposed that this was one of the aspects of the business Professor Stark would be pleased to find out he'd learned. Surely, if Emmett described to Professor Stark how awkward this moment felt, Stark would give him an A for that alone, right? Would you like some ice cream? Marshall asked. It was something to do, anyway. Sure, what kind do you have? Mint chocolate chip. It wasn't Emmett's favorite, but he could eat it to be sociable, inasmuch as Marshall was sociable. Marshall led Emmett back into the kitchen. Taking a seat at a square table with a spongy gillyflower print tablecloth, Emmett waited while Marshall served the treat. When Marshall was in mid-second scoop, the doorbell rang. Marshall cursed under his breath, finished his scoop, and handed Emmett the bowl on his way to the front door. While Emmett tucked in, someone down the hall shook the walls with his booming voice. Marshall, my man, I've got some fresh ideas. Emmett tried to ignore this but the owner of the voice was getting closer, shouting out, I knew you said you have a firm grasp of what I want, but I just couldn't help sketching out some new variations on the dope dealer's robot bloodhound. With a wide swing, the kitchen door opened and let Marshall and his friend come in. As the door swung to and fro behind the two men, Emmett dropped his spoon into the bowl. Something that wasn't supposed to happen yet, something that Molly said couldn't happen without further preparation, was happening right here right now, on Marshall's beige linoleum. Because Marshall's friend was Howard Zez, Molly's stepfather. And though Emmett wasn't sure if Howard knew he was Marshall's boyfriend, the deepening disgusted scowl on Howard's face as he gazed upon Emmett suggested that he'd be happier looking at a giant cockroach. Who is this? Howard asked. He's Molly's friend, uh, Emmett, Marshall said. Emmett, this is Howard. Hello, Howard. That's Mr. Zelesnik to you. Okay, so you're Molly's father. Stepfather. Right. What followed was a silence during which, to Emmett's surprise, no one left the room. Should I remark on how potent cheap music is? There's none playing. Fate mocks me again. Why don't I say something that could sound like a goodbye? Well, glad to know you, sir. Howard was shaking like a volcano about to blow, but the only sound that puffed out of him was, Okay. Was any scene in Guess Who's Coming to Dinner this awkward? Emmett didn't think so. His older brother, Garrett, dated a white girl for a while, and he got through meeting the dad just fine. In fact, the dad was falling all over himself trying to be okay, talking about how many black soldiers he served with in France and how they were... Such great soldiers, and he was proud, and the whole thing sounded so funny. Emmett would kill for a scene like that right now. Do you live in Redlands? Howard asked. No, Inglewood. That's where my daughter lives. Is that how you know her? Uh, Yes, we're we're both at USC. You go to college? Oh, yes, Massa, sir. We does all them things now. Emmett's ability to swallow these two sentences before they popped out of his mouth told him that he must really love Molly. 
Do I go to college? Yes, sir, I do. He's studying film. He actually came to look at some models, Marshall said. Which is what we should be doing. Yeah, yeah, Howard said. But listen here. Howard grabbed a chair and sat down next to Emmett. Tell me something. You know my stepdaughter well, right? Yes, I think it's fair to say that. She likes your kind of people. I believe she does, yes. And you're not one of those types who hate all white people, right? I judge them on the content of their character. Right, right, content of the character, that's good. Howard leaned in close enough that Emmett could smell the relish from a hot dog he must have eaten. I've got to know, because I'm very concerned. Go on, Emmett said. She isn't dating someone who isn't right, is she? Emmett needed some time to work his way through the double negative to get Howard's meaning. When Emmett got there, he decided to pretend he didn't follow. I don't know what you mean. I mean someone. I mean, you know what's right, don't you? I like to think so. She isn't with anyone who she couldn't bring home to a mother. That's what I'm asking. Is her mother concerned about something? Well, she's... I'm just looking out for her. We have a reputation in this town, you know. She's got to live here. I do too, you understand? No. Howard rolled his eyes. Sweat beaded on his brow. Marshall stood behind him, looking for all the world like a man on Jeopardy, trying desperately to remember who won the 1963 Cy Young Award. Let me put it plainly. Is she doing what Sammy Davis Jr. is doing? Playing at the Frontier Casino? No, something wrong, dating-wise, like, like Sammy Davis Jr. is doing. No, of course not. The tension dropped out of Howard's shoulders. Thank God, I was really concerned. You shouldn't be. I'm close to Molly and would know if she's into anything seedy. Rest assured that Molly is not married to a Swedish actress, and she certainly isn't having an affair with Lola Falana. Marshall's hand rose to cover his mouth, and he quivered with the effort to contain his laughter. Howard's face reddened. Are you mocking me, boy? Boy. Okay, there it was. And Howard's red skin made Emmett think about how much further Molly's stepdad was willing to go with this. Emmett would hate for any blood, particularly his own, to stay in Marshall's maniacally clean kitchen, but there was no way he was simply going to back down just because a stupid old white man was pissed off. That's right, mister, Emmett said. I'm mocking you. If you want, we can smack each other across the face like in the heat of the night, or you can go with Marshall and look at what he made for you, and I can go. Up to you. Marshall put his hand on Howard's shoulder. Let's go. Howard's eyes remained locked with Emmett's as he rose from his chair. He stomped past Emmett to the workroom door. Marshall followed him. Once Howard was safely in the workroom, Marshall looked back at Emmett and mouthed the words that looked like, Stay here, before going in and shutting the door behind him. Emmett sat there, squinting against the increasing brightness of the sun in the kitchen. Every surface in here reflected it. How did Marshall keep things so clean? Emmett lived with Molly and two others, and their kitchen usually looked like something Charlie'd hit. Emmett took his empty ice cream dish to the sink and poured water into it. He hoped Marshall'd mouth stay here, because if he hadn't, the sticking around would feel extra awkward and embarrassing. He plucked a jelly glass from the cabinet and poured himself some water. 
The water coming out of the tap didn't look too good and smelled a little strange, but it couldn't kill him, could it? When Emmett's glass was empty and he was thinking about maybe leaving anyway, he heard voices and steps in the hallway. Howard and Marshall bypassed the kitchen. The front door opened and shut, and before long, Marshall pushed his way through the swinging door. Good. Uh, I'm glad you waited. I didn't really have anywhere to go. It's a long drive home, and I'm not looking forward to it. I see. We still have to talk about the creatures you need. I can't afford you. Sure you can. How? I triple-charged Howard. I usually double-charge him because I don't like him. But I do like you, and Molly, and you and Molly. And I want to have hope for somebody, so I made him pay your bill, too. Marshall's lips turned upward slightly, which is probably as close as he could get to an ear-to-ear Cheshire Cat grin. So, let's talk mythological or historical antecedents for your demon Ku Klux zombie master. Emmett, filling his water glass and feeling at ease for the first time all day, said, Yes. Let's. That was Meeting the Creature, which was published and Across the Margin a couple years back. You can find it and read it by following the link from my website, www.jimsnowden.com. I hope you enjoyed this story. If you did, and think other people might too, please like, share, subscribe, and all that good stuff. I'm Jim Snowden. I'll be back in March with another story for you. Take care. <laughs>